And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. We're back, hour number two, final hour of the week here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. JT and Bobby. In studio today as we continue on off a great week. Unbelievable week. Our guests were outstanding. The ghost, Dave Casper. So cool to talk to him. All the insiders, especially the two that we have from Cincinnati. And I think we're game ready, everybody. I think we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen here. Have a great weekend. Remember, we have a lot happening. Accused kickoff has been live from Allegiant this week as the Raiders are in Cincinnati for their playoff game against the Bengals. Q's going to be over at the M Resort with me. He's going to do his show Saturday starting at 10.30. We're inviting all Raider Nation and bringing some Raider alumni with us. And then they'll hand it off to myself and Eric Allen for the official pregame show beginning Saturday at 11.30 live at M Resort, the official team hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. And then Brent and Lincoln Kennedy on the call at 1.30 on Raider Nation Radio. So that's where we'll be. That's what we're doing. We're over at M. They've been a proud partner of us all year long, and we hope it's a great time there. And come on out. If you're looking for something to do, you know we got you lined up there. There'll be a lot of fans, the Raiders Tavern and Grill, plenty of room at the bar, the Modelo Bar in the front, or the Remy Martin Room in the back. So what was the core of our analysis this week? If you're joining us just today on Friday, you're a new listener, you're streaming us today on the Raiders mobile app. The Raiders seem like a team of destiny. Everybody, Pittsburgh's a team of destiny. How did Pittsburgh make the playoffs? But the team of destiny, that topic ends once you get to the playoffs. Getting to the playoffs, you're a team of destiny, and the Raiders clearly are that. They proved that they could fight through adversity better than maybe any Raider team of all time when it comes to some of the tragedies, the issues, the noise in the background. So we all know that. Now we got to talk about a football game and a team that already beat the Raiders this year. And a team that I thought beat the Raiders handily over at Allegiant Stadium. But in that game, there were a couple things that happened. There was a big turnover in the game. There was a turnover for the Raiders where I thought Levitt could have got into the end zone. He didn't. The Raiders came up short. And when you looked at what could have changed that game, a lot of things happened early. Raiders could have put points on the board. They did not. The Raiders could have been in a situation where they could have taken a lead in that game and played from ahead, and it just didn't work out. And then in the second half of that game, Cincinnati just poured it on, and Cincinnati just got away with it. And in the fourth quarter, you know, Raiders, I wouldn't say they ran out of gas, but they could not stop Joe Mixon. They couldn't. They were running downhill, and the offensive line played pretty well for Cincinnati. And that's not the strength of that team. But here's the key. In that game that the Raiders lost 32-13, to This is now a completely different defensive line. I think the Raider defensive line is legit. Remember, Burrow only threw for 148 yards and one touchdown. Oh, my God. Joe Burrow. Guy was thrown for 500 yards this year against the Raiders. Was 20-29, 148 yards, and only one touchdown. But Joe Mixon had, had 30 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns. And then... You know, Boyd in that game, people are forgetting, he was better. Boyd was better in that game than Jamar Chase. He had six receptions for 49 yards. The leading receiver in the game for Cincinnati only had 49 yards. So the Raider defensive secondary did a decent job. 
problem was they couldn't stop the run. So we all agree that the Raiders have improved with their defensive line stopping the run. They lose Darius Phylon, who made a phenomenal play on that fourth and one when the Chargers were on their own 18-yard line. And boy, blunder, Brandon Staley decided to go for it. You could say that was the reason why the Raiders won that game. Raiders only got three points out of that, but it changed momentum. And we know the Chargers came back to forced overtime, but those three points would loom large for the Chargers. This is a game where the Raiders have to show up early. In Vegas, the score was 10-6 at the half, 3-3 at the end of the first quarter. But in the fourth quarter, Cincinnati outscored Las Vegas 19-7 for a blowout. I mean, think of the scores again in the first Bengals game. I don't think the national media is talking about it. 3-3 at the end of the first quarter. Then Cincinnati outscores Las Vegas 7-3 in the second quarter. So it's 10-6. In the third quarter, Cincinnati outscores the Raiders 3-0. So you're talking about heading into the fourth quarter 13-6. It's a pretty competitive game. And then the game got out of hand. Looking back at my notes, I keep notes for every game, pre- and post-game. Waller had seven receptions for 116 yards. He had eight targets in that game and caught seven balls for 116. That's when Darren Waller's starting to flow. That's when Waller has a big game. But Josh Jacobs in that game was a no-show. Jacobs had nine carries for 37 yards. That's it. And 18 of them were on one run. Uh, Derek was 19-27 for 215 yards, a touchdown, and an interception in that game. So that wasn't a great game for Derek either. I just remember that game vividly being, being so frustrating that the Raiders couldn't make their first downs. The Raiders couldn't get any flow going in the game. And the Raiders, again, on that Levitt fumble recovery and what happened in that game, they didn't score when they could have scored. They left points on the board. And you can't leave points on the board when you're playing in Cincinnati this Saturday. Can't do it. You have to play a better game. You have to score early. You have to be an intense physical team. Time of possession. (laughs) Time of possession in the last game. Cincinnati, 37 minutes and 20 seconds. The Raiders, 22 minutes and 40 seconds. Cincinnati had 23 first downs to the Raiders, 13. I mean, the Raiders only had 13 first downs in that game. They could not stay on the field, and that's what killed them in the game. So Mixon was able to move the chains by running it. I think the Raiders can stop that now, and the Raiders couldn't do it. Raiders were 1 of 7 on third down, and Burrow was 8 of 16. 8 of 16. Cincinnati ran 70 plays to the Raiders' 47. And I'm happy I have this up here on my screen in front of me. This was just This was a house of horrors game for the Raiders with their offense. Their offense couldn't get anything done. Oh, one other important stat. Last game, penalties. Cincinnati, one penalty for five yards. The Raiders, 70 for 77 yards. So that's all the bad news. We got rid of that game 32-13. to Since then, the Raiders have been ferocious on defense. In their last four games, incredible what they've done stopping the run, giving up about 78 yards a game in the last four games. That's really high in the NFL amongst playoff teams left. Great job by Rod Marinelli and Gus Bradley to have that defense ready to go and more stout up front. So thrilled by that. So I like the way the Raiders are playing. Cincinnati, it's tough to look at them because of their last game of the season. They rested starters, and it wasn't a big deal for them. 
But let me remind you of the game Cincinnati lost this year. As the mass media, the national media, thinks the Bengals are going to win because they're a favorite. Here are their losses. At Chicago, 20-17. to Burrow only threw for 207 in that game. To Green Bay in overtime, 25-22. Burrow threw for 281, under 300 yards. They lost at the Jets. At the Jets, 34-31. Burrow, 259. Mixing 33 yards in that game. They lost at home to Cleveland, 41-16. to The same Raider team, well, not the same. That Cleveland team had a lot of COVID, but they got blown out. Burrow threw for 282 in that game. So a lot of losses here. They lost to the Chargers, who the Raiders just beat, 41-22. to Burrow threw for an even 300 in that game. They lost to San Francisco in overtime. Seven, what was the final score there? 26-23. Burrow had 348 yards in that game. And then their last loss, which you can't count, right here to start off the new year on January 9th at Cleveland when the scrubs were in, 21-16. to And Burrow did not play in that game. Burrow's big game of the year was against Baltimore at home, 41-21. He threw for 525 yards. 500 and 25 yards in that game. He also had another game against Baltimore where he threw for 416. So he's had two games over 400 yards. You know, the obvious game over 500 yards. Wow, a lot of stats there. Let me absorb all that as we welcome in the head coach of the Silver and Black, my weekly conversation with Rich Basaccia. Okay, Coach, we sit here ready for the playoffs, and it's been an incredible run. The game on Sunday night was an instant classic. Tell me about the experience at the end of the game, your celebration, and taking that all in in front of the Raider Nation. Well, it's, you know, certainly to be able to, to do that in our stadium with the, the crowd and, and um, the way it was in the black hole down there and, and uh, to be able to, to have that type of a game um, and to win it at the end like that um, in our stadium, in this venue, uh, was certainly a, a thrilling event for us. And, and uh, I think in the locker room, there was just joy or, or overjoy, whatever you yeah. want to call it, and, and a sense of accomplishment by the men in that room. So it, it was exciting. They're calling it the best. It might have been one of the greatest regular season games of all time. And there were so many big plays, Coach, on both sides of the ball. I just thought it would be important to point out Darius Phylon. He got injured in that game, but on that fourth and one at the Chargers 18, that was not only one of the biggest plays of the year, biggest plays of the year in the NFL. Yeah, interesting call, you know, uh, by our opponent. So, um, but again, our, our defense rose to the occasion. It really, it turns into like a turnover for us. You know, we got the one turnover by um, uh, on the punt team. You know, yep. we did a great job of knocking it out. And then we got one, uh, you know, on defense. And then really that fourth and one, when you stop them down there like that, that's a turnover. It gives us another scoring opportunity. So great job by our defense. Josh Jacobs is just playing explosive now. Can you touch on the runs after contact? How he's been running, how physical he is once he gets hit. Well, I think this is the time of year where you have to run the football, right? So I think the trust factor between him and the offensive line has started to develop. We're still creating our identity in the run game. And, you know, when Josh gets in space like that and it's one-on-one, you know, and he's hell-bent to break a tackle. And you've talked about this when he wants the ball, what that's like when you look in his eyes in the third and fourth quarter. What is that like, Coach? Yeah, Josh is funny. He comes off all the time, so I want the ball. We just gave it to you two <laughs> times. That's why you came out. You know, so again, it's a little bit of a philosophy this time of year. Certainly, we're going on the road to play in some type of weather condition. Um, and then running the football is a big factor in our play-action pass game as well. The defense last four games only given up 78.5 yards rushing against some really good backs 
especially on the road coming into Cincinnati with Joe Mixon. So they're peaking at the right time, stopping the run. I think so. You know, we last time we played these guys at home, we kind of let Mixon out of the bag a little bit. I think he had 123 yards, and and uh, we did a good job in the in the run game early, and then um, you know we turned it over in the fourth quarter twice. So gave our defense some bad field positions. This is a really good offensive line coached by a guy I'm really familiar with. We were together for five years in Dallas. He understands the pace and the tempo and the relentless effort which we want to play on defense and really as a team. So um, he'll have his guys ready. It'll be an interesting matchup. Chase in that game, Jamar Chase had three receptions. You kept him low in yardage, one touchdown. And since then, he's shattered all these rookie records. What have you seen since he was in Las Vegas looking at him now on tape? Well, it looks like they're getting a little bit more comfortable with each other, right? The chemistry with the quarterback. I think he became the rookie of the year, you know, a week ago. And so I think you see chemistry building, trust factor building within his offense and where he fits and the quarterback knowing he's going to be in a certain spot at the correct time. And that's what you see on film. He's a problem right now. Coach, we want to wrap it up with Daniel Carlson. Four special team player of the week awards. Never been done before. Five walk-offs. As a special teams guy, now the head coach of this team, the prep. Can you talk about his preparation and what makes him different to have a year like this? Well, he's got a kind of a hard hat mentality to begin with. You know, he comes to work every day. I don't know if he really thinks of himself as just a kicker. I think he thinks of himself as a football player. He kicked and punted, you know, all through high school and did a little bit early in college. So I know he feels like he's a part of the team. He's got a great work mentality. Um, he's got a great mindset. You know, he's got a next play um, mindset. So if he does happen to have a bad play somewhere in there, like maybe possibly he kicks the ball out of bounds, and it doesn't happen that often, but he can come back, get his head right, and have a chance to win it for us in the end. Finally, the fans again. There's a central location. Raider Nation likes to travel. You just came off one of the greatest experiences I've ever seen with Raider fans at a home game. Now they're inspired to get out on the road. I've talked to fans on radio all week are finding a way to get tickets and get to Cincinnati. You love seeing those fans on the road. Oh, they'll be there. They travel so well. Every place we've ever been, we see them getting off the bus from the, at the hotel, and then we see them certainly on game day. They're in the stands. Now, unfortunately, they scatter them out a little bit because <laughs> of the seats, but they'll find a way to get together and be loud. Good luck in Cincinnati, Coach. Thank you so much. That was an interesting interview because to take you behind the scenes, we didn't have a lot of time. So usually those interviews are six, seven minutes. Sometimes I've gone to eight. That was a little bit under five minutes because Coach Coach was in a great mood, great mood, came in on the set, and he had to be somewhere else. He's coaching. They're on a short week. He couldn't have been more cool, kind with his time, but we were capped on how long we could talk about that. And I thought it was great as he summed up that game. I had a twinkle in his eye when he's talking about that stop on fire that Phylon made and the fact that the opponent wanted to go for it on fourth down. And the Raiders won that game, and they really celebrated well. They celebrated and had a fantastic time. So good for them. All right, so the Raiders, you just heard from the coach as we do this here. Hopefully the weekend is going to be great for you, and you have a great time. Very quickly, I just want to share with you, last night I went out to Resorts World, and they're a proud partner of our show. And I'll be at Resorts World coming up on Monday night for Monday Night Football. We have a Monday Night Football playoff game that you're all aware about, which is going to be a lot of fun. So last night we went to Fuhu, F-U-H-U. It's an Asian fusion restaurant. And we had six people at dinner. It was incredible. Their steak was great, dumplings. The food was fantastic. The fried rice, Asian fusion. So we had a great time there. And we got up from our dinner and then walked across the little corridor to eight, the cigar lounge. And we were guests to Remy Martin, proud partner of our show. And we went into eight, and they were kind enough to give us their back room. And we sat there, and we had some Remy Martin cocktails, 
couple of cigars, my brother-in-law and his best friend, my good friend Frankie Sidoris, whose son's a guitar player for Slash and Wolfgang Van Halen. We had cigars. They were drinking scotch. I had a Remy Martin sidecar. It was unbelievable. Then we sat outside of Resorts World on their couches overlooking Encore. You could see down to the Strat having cigars outside. It was a gorgeous night. Got a little late, but we had fun. And then we went up to the 66th floor, looked out at the city, and my brother-in-law and my sister looked around and said, incredible. This Resorts World property is mind-blowing. Wherever you go there, you feel like you can land a 747 in the middle of that casino. It's so large and spacious. They have brand-new slots. Everything is just off the charts. The restaurants are great. The staff is unbelievable. Scott Sabella and his vision of this place. It's second to none. So head on out to Resorts World and please come see me Monday night for our last Monday night show of the year. We might do something else with them around Super Bowl. We're talking to them about a couple of issues coming up here that we'd like to be back inside that property a little bit more because it's just breathtaking. JT, here we go. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Beat Cincinnati so we have another week to talk playoff football. Car's going to come up underneath center. Sutton's going to go over to the left side. Jacobs sprinting, cuts, battles. Jackpot, baby! Just Jacobs behind Sutton Smith. JT, we're back on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. A Friday, not a getaway Friday. We're back. The Raiders are in Cincinnati. I was talking to our... Radio boss on the Compass broadcast, Dave Sniff, who was back in Cincinnati this morning on a call. He said the weather's fine. Gorgeous day there, just real cold. We know it's going to get colder, but weather doesn't seem to be the issue. The weather that we're going to see in Buffalo, between Buffalo and New England, zero degrees, one degree, whatever that's going to turn out to be. And hopefully the weather won't be a big deal for the Raiders. This is a very important point. This is a really important point about moving to Vegas and being from Oakland, the team, and cold weather games. The team roster turns over every two years. There are players that just aren't here. Draft picks are gone. New players come in. Free agents. Whatever it is. So when you say, well, this team traditionally isn't great in cold weather, this is a different team. This is the 2021-2022 version of the Raiders. How are they going to perform? It's going to it's going to define Derek Carr. Can Carr play and win a playoff game one? And will the weather affect him? That's going to be what the newspaper says Sunday. Win or lose. It's going to come down to that. Derek knows it. He'll be prepared for it. It gets cool in Vegas. Some mornings they're out there. You know, remember how they used to practice early in the morning to beat the heat? Now they're out there embracing the weather in the morning. I think the Raiders hopefully will be fine with the weather. So that's one of the storylines that we get a chance to get to. And all this week we talked about all the coaches that were let go. And I was surprised at the end, you know, David Cauley let go by Houston one year. Joe Judge let go by the Giants year two. He thought he was going to get another year. Those coaches didn't because I think the background noise was so loud from the media. The fact that these guys just lost control of the team and they don't deserve an opportunity to turn it around again. 
such as Dan Campbell in Detroit. He never lost the team. The team was terrible. He didn't lose the team. And he has an opportunity, and they probably give him one more year to turn it around. But, man, there are a lot of coaching changes. And one are with the Vikings as they blew out Spielman and Zimmer. So the GM and the head coach. And we're joined by former Viking linebacker Ben Lieber's joining us. And I'm really thrilled that we can get Ben on because Ben's calling the game, the Raiders Cincinnati, he's the sideline reporter for Westwood One. So former standout linebacker in Cincinnati for this game. I'm pumped up that we could get him on Friday. Ben, thanks a lot for coming on. Really appreciate it. And first off, were you surprised that the Vikings just went flat out clean house and trying to flip the switch and get a new regime in there? Uh, Well, first of all, good to always be on with you. I hope you're doing well. Um, You know what? It was surprising that that Spielman got let go. I don't think it was shocking, but it was surprising because there was so many like little leaks and stuff that came out on social media about Mike Zimmer and a couple days before the last game. So I think everybody was sort of prepared for the Mike Zimmer news, but then the Spielman news came first and everybody's like, Oh gosh. I mean, it was a possibility. They didn't think that the Wills would pull the trigger on it. Um, And they did. And then obviously right after, right after that, Mike Zimmer got let go. I think the surprising thing is, to hear the players the same day get interviewed by the media and say, Hey, you know, we're looking for somebody that doesn't rule by fear and we want a culture change. And you can almost hear in their voices that they, they wanted a change. And I thought that was, that was the most surprising news that I think came out of the whole weekend. It's, it's great that this team had such a good roster. I picked them to win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I like to do my research and homework. I love their front I love the what Cousins was doing percentage-wise. This is when they had Diggs. I like Thielen and Diggs. I love the way they can run the ball. And they underachieved. You had a front-row seat for this. How big of an underachievement has this been for the Vikings? Because these years they weren't even close. And this one, they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, these these last two years have been, um, you know, an, an utter disappointment. And, and not so much. And I think the reason that Mike Zimmer got fired is because you know, not only for what the players are talking about, maybe uh, the culture the last couple of years, but, you know, the, you boil it down and he's a defensive guy. And you look at his defenses the last two years and they were at the bottom of the league. And it wasn't as much as all the Kirk haters out there want to just, you know, pile on and, it, you know, want to blame every loss or every season on Kirk Cousins. Um, I think that's, that's just a bunch of baloney. When you look at it, it's they couldn't stop the run for two years. And, you know, last year, last season, they couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop anything. And this year, they got a little bit better. But once again, they lost the game in the trenches. They'd get pushed around. They weren't physical. You have a lot of mental busts in the back end of the defense. And it just was never in sync. And I will give Mike Zimmer a little bit of an out. You know, two years ago, decimated by injuries in the secondary. They were bringing guys in off the street for the Green Bay game at Lambeau Field. And they had, they had a guy playing significant reps when he just got picked up off the street on a Tuesday of that week. You know, it was all of those injuries that hit the defensive line this year. And so, yeah, he has some outs, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, uh, progress and, and stats and production is at the, is at the forefront of how you evaluate coaches. And it just didn't happen. Ben Lieber is our guest. So you got a big game here, the Raiders and Cincinnati on the Westwood one call. This is big because a lot of people didn't think the Raiders we're going to get there. Look like the wheels were starting to come off, and Rich Passacci was able to settle them down, and they've won these dramatic, ugly games 
on walk-off field goals by Daniel Carlson. Six total, five for the kicker. That's never happened in NFL history. And a lot of people like Cincinnati. Cincinnati will play a strong game and then have a dud, a strong game. Who do you, this Raider team is resilient, but the Bengals have home field after fighting through a really tough division. Handicap this game for us. Well, look, I well here's here's the other side to turn this thing all the way back to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Daniel Carlson was was drafted yeah. by the Minnesota Vikings and uh, on a knee jerk reaction. Because of all the things that ailed the Vikings kickers the last uh, few years preceding him, they just cut him, and now he gets a four-year, what, $16 million deal. Um, you know, so it's amazing what happens to him when he when he left his organization. Um, look, I, you go back and watch that Week 11 game. I, I have to say that the Las Vegas Raiders were more physical. They, they went toe-to-toe. Uh, I know the score doesn't indicate it. If you're just looking at the box scores, you can say, no, nah, you know, Cincinnati handled them pretty well. Well, they didn't really pull away until the fourth quarter when there was uh, two turnovers and they capitalized off of them. But you look at, you know, three quarters of the game before that, and it was it was third down penalties that it really affected the Raiders. I mean, their defense played well. They stopped the run pretty well. They, they really confused Burrow. Um, you know, they, they had them on the ropes, but then they'd get to third down, some third and criticals, they create some, some penalties, and they had ten they gave up ten points because of that. So the game would have been much closer and I think much more in sync and in rhythm, uh, had they not com- committed penalties. So if they go into the jungle, they play clean football, they absolutely could go in there and steal a game. Yeah, I look at Joe Burrow, Ben Labor's our guest, Joe Burrow is just so electric in the pocket, but the offensive line isn't great. And the Raider pass rush, Max Crosby, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. You mentioned Carlson. He was a special teams player. I think it comes down to the pass rush for the Raiders with Ngakwe and Mad Max trying to get to Burrow because if Burrow has time and he can get the ball to Chase in space, I don't think the Raiders have the players that can run with Jamar Chase. He's just too good of a speedster. What do you think of him at wide receiver? Oh, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, to see a guy that built, I mean, he already looks like a man, and he's still going to grow into that young body. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, as he gets a little bit older, and he already runs with this this savvy um, as far as his route running, the way he sets everything up, his body language at the top of his routes. It's just he's so polished already. He's he's a really impressive guy. But you know, you mention it, and you know, you go back to the to the last time that they played. You know, look, they don't. The Raiders don't blitz a ton. You know, they don't. That's not really what they believe in. They believe in their four-man rush and their drop seven, and that really confused Cincinnati and what they were doing. They really couldn't get a whole lot of things going. Like I said, until late in the second half. So it's going to be interesting. You know, Riley Reef was in the game for the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 11. He's not going to be there. So you talk about an offensive line that's a little bit banged up, a little leaky. Well, they're they're going to be missing a guy that they depended on in that first game. So it could be even uglier than what you saw in Week 11. So um, it, it all depends. Can can the weather be a factor? You know, how can Carr and company go in there when maybe there might be a little bit of snow? We know it's going to be a little bit colder than what they're used to. Obviously, playing indoors. I think the weather is going to have a big factor. If that's the case, you know, and you look at the ground games, I got I got to lean towards Cincinnati having a stronger ground game right now. Ben Lieber joins us. Ben, so what does Ben Roethlisberger have to do different? He's Big Ben. He's on the very end. This could be his last game. And in the old days, he would run and move outside the pocket. And even if he got hit, he wouldn't go down and get the ball off. 
now he just can't run. So he can stay in the pocket, and I can't believe how many passes he throws underneath. And I don't think mm-hmm. you can do that against Kansas City. If you're going to beat Kansas City, you go up top, and you lure in the Honey Badger. You try to go over the top to Sorensen, try to beat him on a couple of big plays. Does Ben have the ability to do it? They're a 12-and-a-half-point underdog. Most people don't think they can stay in this game. Yeah, I gotta think. I don't. I don't think that they can stay in this game either. But you know, I, I watched the Steelers come into U.S. Bank Stadium and play the Vikings, and you know that we we all heard the same stuff about Big Ben. And you turn on the film, and you're like, yeah, it's, he's definitely aged, and he looks like an old man out there. But I was really impressed walking away from the game that he still has an arm. You know, he still has the ability to get that that ball over the top of the defenses. And, you know, it's the proverbial get the run game going, get Najee going downhill, you know, soften up that defense, make them really think you got to commit an extra guy to the box, get the Honey Badger, you know, sniffing around there at the line of scrimmage. If that's the case, it's not like you really need to protect for a long time. He can loft that ball up there, put some, put some air on it, and have his guys go and run underneath of it. So I still think that he can get over the top. And, and I know as much as people want to rail on him for how bad he, he – his lack of mobility – but I do think if you have designed rollouts and designed waggles and designed ways to move the pocket where he knows that on the snap of the ball he, he's got to move, I think you can do that with him still. You can still move the pocket with him. I think where he gets into trouble is where he is stagnant and then he has to use that pocket awareness and slide around the pocket. And that's, that's where you see he really struggles. Hey, Ben, finally, I look at Arizona and the Rams. I'd love to see Arizona and the Rams both play a great game. Because when they lose, like the Rams losing to the Niners, that was a head-scratcher on how they played the final few minutes of that game, getting the ball back to the Niners, not able to put it away. And then Arizona had a couple of big trip-up losses as they got off to a really quick start in this season here. If they both play explosive, Kyler Murray versus Stafford, this could be a classic game. Who do you like in this one? (laughs) I know. It could be a classic game. I, you know, I'm leaning towards Arizona on this one only because I just see this such a regression from this Rams offense and really from Matthew Stafford. And, and I don't know what's going on with his deep ball. Uh, it's not there. And, and it's not so much it's always underthrown. I, I don't know what's going on with him not seeing some of these backside safeties. Uh, he, he, go, he drops back. And he thinks that he's got an open window, and he just chucks it down the field. And there you come, you see the backside safety come over to make a play. I mean, it's time and time again, he's really faltering on the on the deep ball reads. That's to me classically of a quarterback just trying to fit the ball in there and try to make a play. I think if if he's empowered to just get the ball out, let the guys run after catch, and not try to do too much, and almost become more of a game manager, then I think they got this game won. But I'm surprised they haven't told him to do that in these last in these last few games because he's he's hurting his team by throwing the ball deep and and falling short and throwing it to the, to the opponent's hand. So if he can do that and be convinced to be a game manager to win and they get the run game going, then I'm going to lean towards the Rams. But the way that they've been going, the regression that I see in that team, I I'm going to take Arizona. Well, Ben, have a great call as sideline analyst for Raiders Bengals and. I work with Brent Musburger on the broadcast here in Vegas. You should try to get a moment or two with the godfather, Brent Musburger, calling this game up in the box if he's down on the field. And I don't know if you've met him in the past, but just to hear that voice before you're on the broadcast, that'll ease you. It'll make you feel great hearing from the godfather, I promise you. It'll juice me up for sure. I'll definitely do that. 
So we appreciate Ben and him coming on here to talk about the game here and go around the league and what are the Raiders going to have to do here. Real quickly, got up this morning, big night last night. My sister's in town. My wife and I had a great night. I've been staying over at Resorts World, and I got up this morning and I turned on a couple of debate shows as I was getting out of bed, and the the theory of this game is the Raiders are going to run out of gas. That's the theory going into this game, is that the Raiders played all these four games in a row down to the wire. Last 10 games, only 17 offensive touchdowns. One of the interesting comments I heard was that the Raiders played 90 snaps late into Sunday night, 90 snaps on defense. If you look at how many snaps the defense played in the game, how worn out are they going to be and they lose a day of travel? That's fair. That's fair analysis. The Raiders are going to have to beat that. For those who say that the Raiders are fresh, they're not. For those who say the Raiders are healthy, they're not. Because when the guys who are going to play in the game are going to be healthy. But if you go back to Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, Richie Incognito, Nicholas Morrow, who's finally coming back, and all the injuries we saw this year, the Raiders are not healthy. But I just don't know where they stand around the league. All the teams that are left in the playoffs are pretty banged up. But I think we can argue that the Raiders have been more banged up than most of the teams here. No COVID issues, per se, that are big around the league. We knew that the league would change their protocol to make sure these games went off. Are they turning a blind eye to COVID? Absolutely. In my opinion, they are. If they were testing every day, if they were testing position groups once a week, I think you'd see guys who didn't think they had COVID find out they have Omicron and couldn't play in the game. But the league is handling this the way they want to handle it. And I'm just going to report on the games and hang out at the M Resort, Spa and Casino, have some Modellos, and hope the Raiders win. Thanks to Ben Lieber, 10-year linebacker who played for San Diego, Minnesota, and St. Louis. And he'll be on the call for Westwood 1, the game, the national game. This is the first game on Saturday on NBC. And then on top of that, we have the call with Brent Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy. Friday, we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Great weekend. A little bit cold out. Order to go at Grimaldi's. Pick up the pie. Have a great time. I get the Brooklyn Bridge pizza. It's the best pizza I've ever had. My sister's in town, as I keep saying. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. I'm seeing my family, and we're getting Grimaldi's on Sunday to watch football, hopefully off a Raider victory on the flagship Raider Nation Radio. JT, this is, I've been around a lot of scenes in sports. This is one of the greatest that I've ever been involved with. This is just such an incredible, incredible year. Your, your thoughts as time came down here in overtime, JT. Brent, for you to say that in your illustrious career along with Lincoln Kennedy, never in doubt when Carlson comes out, but the Raiders gave up a lot of big fourth down conversions but they were resilient. They've been resilient all year, and the Raiders are in the playoffs, and the Modelo Cantina Club is packed, and this is one of the greatest nights in Las Vegas sports history. We got the post-game show, and it's on to Cincinnati, Brent. Oh, JT, what a trip that'll be. Lincoln, your final thoughts on this. There he is, the godfather, Brent Musburger. Who's got it better than me? To get a chance to talk to him during the broadcast as he gives out the victory. 
It doesn't get any better than that. Thanks for listening all week, everybody. JT, as we wrap it up here with Bobby, uh, really enjoyed this week. I, I really think we were in the moment. We understood this doesn't happen all the time. It should happen every year. The Raiders should be in the playoffs every year, right? If it goes right, you want to build a winner. You want to build a perennial playoff team. As Al Davis said, you want the greatest players playing in the greatest games. And we just played in one of the greatest games. Not us, but we watched the Raiders just play in one of the greatest games in NFL history, period. And no one's denying that. No matter matter where you were, Sunday night, if you were in Allegiant Stadium, if you were watching on TV, or you were with your buddies at a barbecue, you're in a sports bar, a casino, or just hanging out by yourself, or just listening on the radio, which we greatly appreciate. That was special. That was one of the all-time great Raiders regular season wins, and they get it done. And now they got to build momentum off of that and win a game as they got some issues. They have a couple of issues coming into this game. Short week, the travel, as we've talked about. But come on. I think you'd rather play Cincinnati than Kansas City on the road right after a late Sunday night game on a short week. And I think the Raiders are probably the better team. I really do. I think they have better players top to bottom. Cincinnati might just have a few more better explosive players. And we'll see how that plays out when we talk to you again on, on Monday here. We'll be on the radio Monday, Martin Luther King Day, obviously coming off this playoff game, hopefully a victory. If it's not, you know, we'll have a couple of days to wrap up the season and then take a look ahead of what we're going to do next. I don't know what we're going to do next. I mean, we've got the Pro Bowl. Uh, we have the draft, which is massive because we have the draft here in Las Vegas, so that's going to be busy for all of us. And then we're going to move on into the offseason and a couple of concerns about decisions the owner's going to make what's going to happen with player personnel, all of that. But we don't have to do that today because I'm expecting the Raiders to win. Raiders clinched their first playoff berth since 2016, only the second time since 2002. Man, that's been a drought, but the drought is over. And that was when they had the playoff victory on the way to the Super Bowl. One month ago, one month ago, this team was left for dead. What's one thing that the coach can point out in the past month that was the driving factor of this four-game win streak, my opinion from hearing the coach, who we heard earlier, is that everybody prepares to play. Love that message. You show up, it's one day at a time, one play at a time, but if you walk out onto that practice field, you've got to prepare like you're going to play. And he's backed it up. He's gotten a lot of guys in games. Players are in games now that early in the season you didn't think would be playing let alone in the playoffs, and they're doing it now. One of the standout differences in the last four weeks is the running game on both sides. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders' run game has come alive this last month. In the last four weeks, Jacobs is top five in attempts yards with a nice 4.48 average per rush. This past game, he had 132 yards on the ground. 130 of it came after contact. I mean, they keep that stat now. That's a pretty incredible stat, isn't it? And on the other side of the ball, the defense is really clamped down on the opponent's rushing attacks. In the first 13 weeks, the Raider defense was allowing 125.3 yards per game. And in the last four, have only allowed 78.5 per game. And that's with the Browns, Broncos, and Colts in that time, who all had some pretty good running attacks, some of the best in the league. Now, we talked about Joe Mixon and the improvement of the Raiders' run defense, and that's going to be tested. We've been talking about this run defense getting better. I just gave you the stat. 
Now they've got to find a way to prove it and slow down Joe Mixon if they're able to do it. He's a pretty good player. And he had a lot of chunk yards in that last game against the Raiders in Week 11. He rushed for 123 yards on 30 carries with two touchdowns. I don't care who you're playing. That's a hell of a game. So Joe Mixon cannot break out and get over 100 yards. And he hasn't much this year. He's only got three 100-yard games. Josh has two 100-yard games in the last two games. But this is all about Jamar Chase and the Bengals' passing game. If you sell out and stop the run and stop mixing, you got to deal with this passing game, which is absolutely lethal. Against the Chiefs in Week 17, Jamar Chase had 266 receiving yards, which is the most in a game ever by a rookie and also surpassed Justin Jefferson's rookie record for receiving yards in a season with 1,455. But it's not only Chase. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, very capable receivers, and Burroughs has learned to spread the ball out. To Osama, the tight end, everybody's touching the ball on this team. But I think the Raiders have to double-team Jamar Chase. No matter what happens, just double-team him, brack him over the top with the safety. That's the one thing I cannot stress more. When I'm on the post-game show after the game on Saturday, we cannot be talking about Jamar Chase running free in the secondary because he was in single coverage. And Daniel Carlson hit another walk-off field goal as time expires. It's been an historic season for the young kicker. He broke his own record for most points in franchise history for a single season with 150. He won his sixth-ever Special Teams Player of the Week award. He's got four this season. That's never happened before. Never happened in the history of kickers. Justin Tucker, Adam Vinatieri. How is that possible? And the Raiders have that kicker now. This is the first time ever a kicker. A kicker has put up those milestones with special teams player of the week and coming off that last victory. Now he's got to go outside where it's going to be much more difficult. We know how crucial kicking can be in the playoffs. When games are tight, the pressure's on on the road, and there's no roof. And that jungle in Cincinnati is going to be cold and loud. You know, we've seen heartbreaking beats because of kicking. So it's nice to know that the Raiders have one of the clutch kickers in the game. They have him on his side. So the Raiders got to feel really good about that. So all of this together makes for something really special. All of this together makes for a Raider team that's got momentum, not only has momentum, but has the ability to step up and do something special here. And I love that because this is a team that is resilient and this is a team that is fighting now for some respect in the postseason. Right, everybody? Isn't this is what, what this has been all about? The Raiders, as we've been talking about with you, you've been so kind to listen to us. All year long, this franchise has gotten no respect. And the franchise has done some things that have put them in a bad spot, especially what happened with Henry Ruggs and the death of Tina Tintor. That put a black cloud on the Raiders around the league. And a lot of people weren't, weren't paying attention to Raiders football. They were paying attention to TMZ and what was happening with the team after the Gruden resignation and the emails. And that's understandable. That's what you would do if you were sitting in Jacksonville or Baltimore or in Detroit and someone asked you, hey, what, what about this with the Raiders? You wouldn't talk about Hunter Renfro and the year he's having, chasing Tim Brown's milestone. You wouldn't be talking about the improvement of Andre James at center. You'd be talking about the low-hanging fruit for the Raiders, which has been obvious, and that's been the problems off the field. 
but something clicked. And I think it started in the Dallas game. Dallas on Thanksgiving, the entire country saw that victory, and they were impressed. And then after that, the Raiders lost a couple of games. Everybody said, well, at least they had a couple of wins. They were 3-0. and well, Look what happened to Gruden. They beat Dallas. They're going to have maybe a win or two down the stretch, but that's it. But that wasn't it. And then the Raiders went on this incredible run. Now, in the incredible run, every week we told you I wasn't that impressed with the way the team played. I didn't think the team played well, even though they won all these games, but who cares? They were winning ugly, a term that you often hear in sports and sports radio. A team winning ugly and doing whatever it takes to win. And that is the example of the silver and black, the Las Vegas Raiders now with 10 wins. And this schedule had a lot of ups and downs, but I don't give a crap about the losses anymore. I don't care about the losses to Chicago, Daniel Jones and the Giants. What happened with Cincinnati the first time of the Washington football team, I care about what's happened since the great win at Cleveland where the league tried to change the game so Baker Mayfield could play. He wasn't able to play. And the Raiders coming off a brutal loss to Kansas City on December 12th, 48-9. One of the ugliest losses, the ugliest loss in the history of the rivalry. So one of the worst losses in franchise history. What did the Raiders do? Pack it in? No, they won four in a row. Uh, they went out and beat Cleveland 16-14. They beat Denver 17-13. They won at Indy 23-20, beating an MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor, and then the win against the Chargers 35-32, an absolute classic for the ages. All of that in one season. And if you were a season ticket holder for the Raiders, congratulations, because you saw one of the greatest seasons in Raider history come out of nowhere because of the comeback and the resiliency of this team. doesn't matter if they don't win a playoff game. If they don't win a playoff game, all of this becomes a pretty good documentary about the ups and downs. But if the team wins a playoff team, a playoff game, and they go on to the next round, this is going to get seriously good. It's going to get incredible, and the whole country is going to be talking the Raiders on Sunday on the pregame shows heading into football playoff Sunday. But they got to win on Saturday. And they got to win. And there's going to be some Raider fans there. I've been texting with Gorilla Rilla and a couple of other buddies who are on the ground there. They say the Raider Nation will be vibrant. They'll be there. You'll hear them when the Raiders score and the Raiders get it done. So, wow, what a week. Where do we go from here with this team? I don't know. We'll deal with that next week. Hopefully we have another week of post-game radio with the team won. A lot of great highlights from Brent Musburger and a lot of great calls from you. And we want to thank the callers, everybody who supported us here all year long. This is not a goodbye. This is just a pause till Saturday as we're at the M. And we'll be kicking it there, having a lot of fun. And I, I can't wait for this. I've been texting my son throughout the show. I said, hey, give me some nuggets for the game. He likes Renfro. And that's, I, I like Renfro too. Last thought on this game. Go with what got you there. Zay Jones is playing better. Deshaun Jackson has been pretty much a ghost. I don't know what's going on with him, but I've seen enough of Hunter Renfro to know that if they're in the red zone, go to him again and again and again. Give him three shots inside the 10, not one. If Darren Waller, who had the 116 yards in the first game, if Darren looks good in warm-ups and he catches an early ball and he's playing with a burst in energy, you go right back to Waller. But this is a Renfro game. 
Renfro got you here, and Josh Jacobs got you here the last couple of weeks. And finally for Josh Jacobs, way to go, Josh. You showed me a lot. I was hard on him all year on the radio, and so were you, some of the fans. What was he doing? Was he ever going to become this player? He has now officially become this player. Josh Jacobs is a workhorse like Raider running backs in the past. And Josh has got to carry a heavy load in Cincinnati in that jungle. Couple of big runs early, wear them out, and give the defense some rest because the defense needs the rest after that unbelievable game against Justin Herbert in the win. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Please come out and see us Saturday at M Resort Spawn Casino. We'll be there for the pre- and post-game show. It should be a vibrant crowd. Uh, we're thrilled to be on the radio and be the flagship of this team, a team that's in the playoffs, playoff radio on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>